welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and as always, I'm really glad that you have joined us. This will be awesome. That's what Elon Musk said in a tweet Friday, replying to his own announcement that Twitter would publish, quote, what really happened with the Hunter Biden story suppression by Twitter later that day. And while supposed, quote, Twitter files produce no real evidence that the tech company worked covertly with the Democratic Party for some political purpose, the tweet itself highlights the concerns some people have with the company since its change in leadership. After initially making an offer and then attempting to renege on the deal, Elon Musk bought Twitter in late October, claiming he was doing so to, quote, unlock the platform's full potential and apply principles of free speech all over the platform. Despite that, since his purchase, Twitter has been marked by constant unsteadiness. In just over a month's time, Musk's terminations... Uh, his reinstatement of previously suspended accounts and his introduction of a fee for verified users only to remove it 48 hours later. These are things that really don't inspire confidence in the direction that the new leadership wants to take the platform. Organizations like the Anti-Defamation League report that hate speech on the platform is on the rise, while Musk himself reported last month that the service has had a massive revenue drop as advertisers spend less on the platform. If this is unlocking the full potential of Twitter, I guess maybe the service should never have existed in the first place. And yet with all the upheaval and complaints, Twitter endures. Most people who have threatened to quit the platform haven't left it yet. And Twitter's biggest power users, like journalists, continue to rely on the platform for their work. And look, I got to be honest. One of the first things I do every day when I wake up is grab the phone and hit the Twitter app. Take a look at all of the things that people have said just in the few hours since I went to bed. And throughout the day, I'll go back to it again and again trying to get information. One of the things that I think is really interesting about Twitter, and it isn't really being discussed in all of the hubbub about whether to stay or leave, is the this, this sort of personal relationship I feel like each of us is able to have with that platform. I want to go back in time a little bit to when I was a really young reporter in a newspaper newsroom. We used to have these computers, these dumb ter terminal computers on our desks that were connected to what we called the wires uh, back then. And these were news feeds produced by individual news organizations, but they were gathered and disseminated to other news organizations in their newsroom. So I could sit at my desk literally in a newsroom in the early 1990s and read stories and columns and all kinds of other info from news organizations all over the country and really all over the world. And I could curate 
the information that I was getting. I, I could decide what kinds of things I was most interested in reading and make the screen in front of me show me those things. Now, this is before the internet was really much of a thing, and it was certainly before social media took over our lives the way it had. kind of had Twitter in the newsroom before there was a Twitter. And so the way that I use Twitter now is a replica, really, of those early days in a newsroom. I decide what feeds I want to follow. I decide which people I want to interact with. And it really gives me the things that I think I need, first to be an informed citizen, but then, of course, to do my job, to be able to join you each day here on WDET to talk about such a wide range of subjects. That's why I'm staying on Twitter. It's the utility of the platform. It's the, the incredible amount of information that I actually get every day from the feeds that I decide that I want to follow. And if I got off of Twitter, what I fear is that I wouldn't be able to replicate that somewhere else. What's another platform where I could get that wide range of information? Where else would I be able to get it with the click of a button on my phone? Just tap my thumb on that little icon and it's all right there. I think for all of us right now, we're kind of evaluating that value that we have for Twitter. What do we get out of it? What do we think it gives us? And some people are deciding that, hey, it doesn't give me enough to justify my association with this person who now owns it and the things that he wants to say and do. But if you aren't going to do it, where else are you going to do the things? Where else are you going to get the information that comes to you every day on Twitter? I think that is the central question that so many people are not maybe struggling with, but certainly thinking about right now. Stay or go, what do you get if you do either? That's where we want to start the conversation today. Are you staying on Twitter or are you leaving? Or are you still thinking about which choice to make? Do you want to wait and see what Elon Musk does with this platform, how people react, what it means when people who have been suspended from Twitter maybe make reappearances and see what they do. Do they wreak havoc or do they just blend back in to the feed? If you're a Twitter user, give us a call and tell us how you use it, what value you get from that platform, how often do you check it every day, and what do you do with the information you get there? How do you make sure that what you're getting is not disinformation or misinformation or crazy conspiracy theories? Maybe you're getting stuff that you need to do your job. Maybe you're doing things that you need to make civic decisions in your community. Tell us how you use it and whether you will keep using it now that Elon Musk is the owner. Are you going to leave or are you going to stay and why?
As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter itself and hashtag Detroit Today. Yes, we are not leaving Twitter quite yet. Uh, and we can try to include you in the conversation that way. Also, give me a call and let me know if you're somebody who's already unplugged from all of this. Just somebody who doesn't use Twitter, maybe you don't even use Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or any of the social media platforms. Uh, let me know if you're able to tune out this digital world and all the conversations uh, that take place there. I want to welcome another voice to the studio for this conversation about Twitter as well. Nick Austin is the host of Soul Saturday here on WDET, which you hear each week from 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, on Saturday nights. Uh, he's also been helping out for several months now as a producer here on Detroit Today. Nick Welcome to the studio. Hey, thanks for having me uh, here, Stephen. It's a long time no see. Does it feel strange to you to be in the studio and on the air when it's not Saturday? <laughs> it, <laughs> it's something it takes getting used to. But um, Well, you've also been filling in for me a lot lately uh, as I've had uh, lots of things that have taken me away from the studio. So maybe you're used to this uh, 9 to 10 a.m. hour more than you used to be. I like that people get to find out that we're not the same person. It's like some Clark Kent <laughs> Superman situation That's going right. on we're here. We're both here. That's right. We're At both the same talking. time, two That's different right. people. That's right. Uh, so the reason I asked you into the studio, Nick, is because of a conversation that we've been having here among the staff on Detroit today. I, I feel like since Elon Musk first started talking about purchasing Twitter, uh, there's a wide range of, of opinions about what that means, uh, why it matters or why it doesn't, uh, and what each of us wants to do. And, and you and I have a, a pretty significant divergence over, over this issue. Tell me what you think about uh, Twitter and the changes and uh, what you're doing with it. I think that Twitter has always been um, un not very useful for us generally. And one of the things that's interesting to me as I do more journalism is seeing how more plugged in journalists and politicos and uh, intellectuals seem to be plugged into it. But I think they think that their experience with the platform is what the experience is like for all the rest of us. And it absolutely is not. Uh, you mentioned all of the things that you feel like you wouldn't have access to. If you didn't go on Twitter, I would say I have quit use. I quit using Twitter a while ago. I thought the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. You know, you'd see things come in your feed, make you emotional. You see people firing back at it, and for me to comment on it, maybe with a nuanced opinion or something a little bit more settled, can't get that done in 160 characters. I know they've expanded it <laughs> since, but not a great place for thoughtful discussion. What is following people I enjoy? whether it's on their substacks or other methods of communicating with them. And so when you say, how am I going to get the information that I need? It's all right there with a flick of the wrist. I say, sometimes it's not great to get all that information with just the flick of the wrist. It's more likely you can get misinformation. Bad information is put out on Twitter. The amount of responses I see to people where the original tweet is unavailable is always something that I think is very interesting also. So I'm sure there are people who make great use of the platform, 
But what I get concerned about is the vast majority of people or what it does to people who are power users and somewhat get contorted. I mean, even really thoughtful folks that I used to love um, listening to, I, I would hear them and not realize they got into all these guffaws and social issues and, and takedowns and maybe even cancellation uh, because of them going back and forth with users on Twitter. And that just seemed to me and to me not very useful. So I think that uh, from what I see, um, Twitter right now, I don't know why people are that surprised it got to this point, but I think we'd be all better off if we weren't just all in that same medium and maybe were a little bit more separated from each other. So I, I'm really interested in this difference that you're, you're pointing out, uh, that, that you feel that, that journalists uh, and, and, uh, and other people who are kind of um, really frequent uh, deep users of Twitter are having a different experience than, than people who are not part of those communities. The the thing that I think unites all of us, though, on on Twitter in a way, though, is the control that we actually have. And it's it's interesting to me to hear you almost say you don't feel like you have that control, that you don't you don't feel like you can trust uh, the 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 feeds that you set up for yourself to, to filter out all the garbage. Um, and that kind of undermines the, the, very, the very purpose of Twitter, I think. I mean, it, it, it's the thing that, for me, um, makes it so useful. I'm going to answer that question, Steve. Uh, but first, my question for you is, <laughs> what is the purpose of Twitter? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I think that's a different, I think you come up with a different answer depending on who you who you talk to right because it is so controlled by us as as users right so for me the purpose of twitter is a news and information feed mm -hmm. primarily i mean there are there are a couple of kind of funny accounts i i i follow or fun accounts that i follow but for the most part uh, they're either news organizations or uh, people who work for news organizations i follow lots of uh, advocates uh, who work in the spaces that I'm interested in, so lots of lawyers uh, who who uh, practice uh, constitutional law, who, who who try cases in in uh, the appeals courts or the or the Supreme Court. I follow lots of political figures uh, on Twitter. I mean, it it really is a, a mini CNN or a mini. Uh, MSNBC or Fox News, I guess, for for me. I, I think for somebody else, it, it has a different purpose, yeah. and, and it can. I mean, you can you can spend all day uh, catching up with sports. The, the sports community on Twitter is a, a community that I kind of bump up against every once in a while because I'm a Michigan fan. Congratulations. <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and they, there's this entire community of sports on tw on Twitter that doesn't exist somewhere else. I see stuff, I learn stuff that I don't anywhere else. And so for that community, it serves that purpose. Uh, and I think that's okay that that it means different things to different people. And I think that's right. However, what I would uh, say in response is that maybe there are better mechanisms for that when you can be a little bit more thoughtful with choosing who your community is, right? You said you use it as a mini, maybe MSNBC, CNN, whatever news organization. Well, we already have the major version of that. And uh, same with sports. You can have clubs, you can have friends, you can have collectives of groups that can get together. The thing that I would say about a, a resource like Twitter is, while you say, hey, I have the power to curate my own following list, I would dispute that. I'd push back against that a little bit because Twitter makes money on advertisement. 
and not many people are paying for it. And, you know, a saying I always come back to is when you are uh, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Mm -hmm. And the way that they make their money is engagement. So we had Jaron Lanier on, for example, on Detroit Today a while back, and he mentioned that the way the algorithms are, and he knows because he talks to all those people, he helps set them up, is that they just they don't care whether the product or what you're looking at is good or bad. It's mostly about what gets you most engaged. And what does that? Emotional outrage. So even if you think to yourself, and kudos to you for being someone who can back off on some of that, I know some of us can't. I feel like I can, but that doesn't mean that when I see something pop into my feed or whatever, I might click on that and uh oh did I mess up my algorithm where now I'm getting more fed that stuff instead of the people who I actively went and followed right because one of the things they pick up on is what do you engage with not necessarily who you follow so it takes an extra amount of discipline to not touch that shiny object and it's interesting that you say hey we go to that uh, for this right when there is another way, and maybe I don't need the instantaneous feedback. Mm. I remember a time when it was a little slower, when you were looking at the wire, right, and it wasn't coming all at you, so much information all the time. When you could say, hey, if I'm looking at this, I know this has had an opportunity to be vetted as opposed to you somebody that's putting out You did have real faith in that right. on, on the, on the news wires, no question. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about Twitter and uh, broader conversation, really, about social media and its purpose, uh, especially if Twitter is going to become a much smaller part of the social media universe. We want to get going with you on the phones and on Twitter. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. No surprise, we've got a number of Twitter comments in the queue already because we're talking about Twitter. If you want to go there and uh, participate in the conversation, just hashtag us at uh, Detroit Today. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Today we're talking about Twitter and all of the feelings and choices that people are experiencing right now because Elon Musk, one of the richest people on the planet, recently bought Twitter and said that he wanted to make a bunch of changes. Lots of people are uncomfortable with the changes that he is making. They're uncomfortable with the association uh, of the platform with Elon Musk, who himself has a number of controversial ideas and views. And so they're leaving Twitter deciding that they don't need the information that's there or the interaction. Other people, like me, are staying because we value all of the things that we learn each day on Twitter. And we value the way that we can interact with uh, people who are interested in the same things. want to know what you're doing. How are you thinking about Twitter these days? Are you thinking about Twitter? Are you somebody who's left it behind and is not thinking about it at all? Or are you somebody who's still there evaluating what's happening, waiting to see what effect Elon Musk will eventually have uh, on the platform. As always, we want to hear from you. 
uh, about what you're doing and what you're thinking and how you're feeling about Twitter. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, if you want to join us, that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter itself and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, and we can uh, include you in the conversation that way. I've got Nick Austin, who is the host of Soul Saturday here on WDET Saturdays, 8 to 10 p.m. He's uh, sitting in with us today. He has been uh, helping us out as a producer here on Detroit Today for several months. And I want to introduce another voice into the conversation. Candace Fortman is the executive director of Outlier Media and a former colleague of ours here at WDET. Candace, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Nick. Hey. So it's great to have you here uh, because you and I have talked a lot about social media over the years. Uh, and, and when you were here at WDET uh, for a lot of the time, uh, you were helping us out, uh, trying to figure out social media and how the station should be uh, interacting with it. So I'm, I'm really curious first, Candace, to know how you feel about uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter, the changes that he says he wants to make, and whether you are staying or going. <laughs> well, um, so far, I have stayed. I am sort of going down with the ship, as many people have said. Um, it feels like riding the Titanic in a lot of ways. Um, but I am um, holding out hope, and I don't know where that hope is sort of founded. I don't know what is uh, what I think is going to happen. Um, but I am holding out hope that we can... Um, save Twitter in some way because it has become the town square um, for a lot of people. And particularly when we think about the town square, not just as the place in which we live, but not just Detroit, but really the world. How do we connect to the world when there have been um, crises that have arose across, you know, the world in different countries, in our own um, country, being able to connect with people and understand the story from on the street and from the people who are living it um, has been really valuable. And to lose that, it's, it's sort of, it's not just um, unfortunate, but it's really quite sad um, because I don't think that there is another platform quite yet that allows us to be able to connect in that way. Huh. So I also want to talk about the African-American experience on Twitter, uh, which is a little different than it is for lots of the other uh, folks in, in our country, and in, in particular, uh, black Twitter, uh, which yeah. which some people uh, use to describe the interaction between uh, African-Americans and among African-Americans on Twitter. Uh, funny, funny story. Once someone asked me, where they could find black Twitter because they, <laughs> they, they literally thought it was a different Twitter. <laughs> you had to have if your you own. can't find it, <laughs> that's right. The method. <laughs> if you can't find yeah. it, maybe you don't belong there. Um, sure. But, but that's, an, it's, it, that's such an important part of, um, of its utility, I think, to, to African Americans. And I think that's a, sort of a microcosm of the way that Twitter – works for other people as well. If you're part of a community uh, that doesn't find easy ways to, to interact and be honest uh, and just be themselves, uh, public Twitter in some ways is, is a haven and a comfort. Uh, and, and I worry that if, for instance, there is this massive exodus from Twitter, it'd be really hard to, to recreate that 
somewhere else, Candace, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, we have watched thinkers and philosophers emerge out of black Twitter. So I think so often what is heralded is sort of the entertainment value of black Twitter, which is absolutely um, something that we should pay attention to. I mean, some of my best laughs ever have come from um, black folks on Twitter. Uh, Our ability to gather around. I remember when Whitney Houston passed, watching that service with black Twitter, when Aretha Franklin passed, watching that service. And it did feel like we were watching it together, like we were all just sitting in one big room uh, watching together. So I think that those things are true. But I think the other more important part are that there are writers and um, projects and organizations and movements that have emerged out of the ability for black folks to be able to connect to each other, Mm -hmm. again, across regions on Twitter. And there has not been anything quite like this, um, you know, in in our generation, right? Like something that really allows you to be able to listen to someone like Jelani Cobb, um, you know, Mm -hmm. talk about things that you would maybe only if you only if you had access to maybe the New Yorker, the New York Times, you would have um, been able to read. But um, to watch Nicole Hannah-Jones move through that project and to see not just the work that she was able to accomplish, but all of the backlash and to be able to, to support her and to send her love as she navigated these really incredible times after the release of the 1619 Project. Yeah. Those are the sorts of things that Twitter has allowed us to do that um, cannot be taken lightly. And when we lose that, how do we connect in that way anywhere else? Um, particularly at that level, right? Like, I have community in Detroit. I have places I can go. I have the urban consulate. I have places where I can go and have these sort of salon conversations. But Twitter allows me to do it. And I've met people and created friendships off of Twitter with some of the most brilliant human beings I've ever met. Um, And I feel like there, there are people who I'm friends with who I've never actually met in person. I've talked to them on the phone. And those are people I've met on Twitter who I've sought advice from and counsel from. Um, around, particularly as we were building Outlier um, and thinking about how to build a journalism organization in the city. A lot of the folks that I got advice from are folks that I've met on that platform. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nick, I I wonder what your reaction is to this idea of connection and community uh, on Twitter. And I wonder if you can tell us what communities you feel like uh, you either belong to or feel locked out of uh, on Twitter because uh, what you were saying earlier was that you don't feel entirely comfortable with all the information you get there. And, and that's a form, I think, of, of isolation, really, uh, which is the opposite of the kind of community that I think Twitter imagines, at least, that it is creating. I, I would try to uh, clarify that a little bit. I mean, my response to Candace, who I love, by the way, it's great speaking with you again, Candace. Uh, she mentions, of course, Nicole Hannah-Jones and that project. It was interesting to me that she spoke about um, how she was, uh, uh, they were able to provide support to her as a figure mm-hmm. in black Twitter mm-hmm. from the backlash she received when I'm thinking, and a lot of that backlash was probably amplified by Twitter because any Yahoo can come on there and just start tweeting anything and Remember, what brings us to this point where we're discussing this is the fact that Twitter used to, to the extent it was supposed to be like a public square, which I take exception with, and we can get into that a little bit later, uh, had had uh, mechanisms for trying to keep it as a safe place to be. No one wants to be in a toxic 
poo hole, right? You want to be someplace where you feel like the discussion is useful, not if just someone's yelling anti-Semitic or comments Mm -hmm. at you all the time. That's not a fun place to be out in the street or anywhere. And Elon Musk is reducing the amount of uh, uh, employees that they have to cover those things. He's Mm -hmm. bringing back on people who have been suspended. I understand that some would say, well, this is an interest of free speech. But again, this is not a public utility like people try to describe it. It's a private place. People voluntarily choose to go there and they can choose not to. Nothing would preclude African-Americans, any group, from creating their own location or area or whatever they have to create a community for their own. The way that I find community would be in communal experiences with people, right? I try to, and I understand people, hey, the ability to talk to folks overseas and things like that, it's great, it's amazing. But I would think it would also be a little bit sad if that ended up being a complete substitute for in-person interaction with folks to the extent that we can do it, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not saying to anyone out there who's got uh, issues uh, getting around or whatever. No, you have to meet people in person. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is Twitter seems to be a substitute for some things that I don't think it's adequate to perform for. And in the whole mass, like when we add it all together, then the harm outweighs the good. Not yeah. saying there isn't any good. though. You know, I, I'm reminded of... Um of Tanasi Coates, hearing both of you talk about the people who are on Twitter, who you can get access to, who you can have conversations with. And I, I remember when he left Twitter, uh, quite publicly, in fact, and I don't remember what year it was, but it was a while back. I mean, it's been three or four years, I feel like. Uh, and what he said when he left was, I thought, really important. It was a really important observation about the culture on Twitter. He said that he was leaving because he was unable to just kind of think out loud on Twitter, that the expectation that people had when he said something on Twitter was that it was something he had not only thought about, but maybe gone out and reported on and vetted and checked uh, to be sure that it was exactly what he wanted to say uh, and, and, and exactly representative of the way he was thinking about something. And he said, there's no chance on Twitter, in, in his opinion, to go back and say, you know, I thought this yesterday, but then I had a, you know, uh, a bevy of conversations or I read all kinds of stuff. And now I think differently. Uh, he said that's seen as weakness on Twitter right. and people come after you because they say, well, you know, you said this, but uh, that's not right. And, or, or you didn't believe it or, or you didn't get this exactly right. Uh, and, and I thought when he left that he would come back because the platform, you know, also gives lots of other, um, you know, has lots of other benefits, especially for somebody like him. Uh, but he has not been back, I don't think, at all uh, uh, since that time. And and that observation about the culture uh, is absolutely right. Now, for me, th- that culture is just kind of a, you know, it's, it's uh, a drawback to something that otherwise I have, you know, great affinity for. But I think you're right that for a lot of people, those drawbacks are what, what stand out in their mind. Right. And Stephen, I would just note, it's my understanding the way you utilize Twitter is you're more taking in information. You're actually a little I bit say more, less yeah. than, than most people. Y- yeah. You're more reflective of what I was talking about, about, I mean, you're still kind of a power user, but you're not putting out content like so many who get caught in these flame wars. So it, it's a different experience for you also. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313 577 
1019 is the number here on the phones. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us, and uh, we'll work in the conversation. Let's get to some of these uh, comments on social media. Big Neo says, my primary use of Twitter is to add my proverbial two cents to the topic on Detroit Today. <laughs> That's the best other, use of Twitter. Best <laughs> right. use of Twitter. He says, other than that, I don't really use it all that much. Uh, Big Neo, we absolutely appreciate that shout out. Uh, Brad on uh, Twitter says, uh, my main source of news is Twitter. He says, NPR for in-depth reporting. But I also have a network of educators across the country, the globe really, that's invaluable and irreplaceable at this time. He says, plus uh, ringside seats to watch billions go up in flames. I guess he's predicting that uh, (laughs) Elon Musk won't be successful here. Uh, CP on Twitter says, to stay or go, and if to go, where? He says, is my thought process. And because I don't have a where it's harder for me to go. Ed says, I hate to support Elon, but I have made contacts with Washington Post reporters, Harvard Law professors, authors, activists, and yeah, you, Stephen. Uh, I don't see how to continue these relationships without the tool. Uh, really great comments. We've got more that I'll get to in a little bit, but I want to get to the phones here. Let's start with uh, Frank in Livonia. Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Hey. Um, you know, I was thinking about this is like being an echo chamber and what you said. And, you know, I mean, you kind of almost ratted yourself out on that. But, I, you know, I see so much of the media talking to the media. You know, if they're not interviewing, uh, you know, other journalists, they're interviewing singers <laughs> or, uh, you know, athletes and things. And so, uh, you know, you're, you know it's, it's all media. You know, it's all this stuff. Now, I don't use Twitter. I don't have Facebook anymore. I just, you know, I just don't want to spend my time doing that. But, you know, I think one thing that the echo chamber, when you start living in that, it leads to, like, tribalism, clanism, and, and eventually a cult. And so and when do you know when you're in a cult or not? You know, I mean, you just think <laughs> you're like the last one to really know. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to be deprogrammed. Yeah. So I, Boy, Frank, that's a very dark, that's a very dark view of of. Twitter. I um, think it's a very observant view because, again, you're the last person to know. I feel like I constantly try to at least personally think, hmm, you know, let me get some other information because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because it's hard for you to know when you do. Yeah. Uh, Candace, what do you think of the idea of that echo chamber of that those of us who are there are all talking to each other and that somehow that is not really reflective uh, of the world. I think I'm probably guilty of that because of the way that I've curated Twitter. I'm not, I'm not seeing lots of, lots of things that I choose not to see. Uh, but, but I, I guess I'm not sure if I feel like, uh, I'm in a cult. Uh, maybe, maybe this is a cry for help. (laughs) It's an intervention. Uh, Well, I, I mean, the cult of Twitter is very real. Frank is not wrong at all. There are people who I often wonder when do they sleep? Because when I, you know, log on in the morning and look, they're tweeting. Mm-hmm. And if I look at night and I haven't looked maybe through the day because I was working and living my life, they're still tweeting. So there are people who legitimately live inside of Twitter. Their lives, their social circumstance lives inside of Twitter. And you can often tell that those folks, who those folks are because there's no nuance in how they exist inside of that platform, right? Mm-hmm. There is no time off. There is just Twitter and nothing else. Um, and so I think that, like everything else in the world, it has to be balanced. Everything needs to be in balance. So if, for instance, 
you can't take time away from Twitter. You know, if you're on vacation and you're still, you know, worried about your Twitter feed, maybe it's time to, you know, divest from the platform for a bit. <laughs> um, but I think that there is also the case that you should be diversifying where you're getting information from in general. And journalism has, of course, a really bad um, habit of living inside of its own um, echo chamber, and whether that is on Twitter or inside of a newsroom and not leaving that newsroom and existing inside community and going into community and stuff and just listening, not talking, um, but just listening to absorb what is happening in the world. Um, and I do think that that often happens on Twitter with journalism where we're just talking to each other. Yeah. Um, and so if that is the only place that you're sourcing material from, that you're getting sources from, that you are sourcing stories from, that's a really, really bad way to exist as a, as a journalist, particularly, particularly as a local journalist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation about Twitter with Nick Austin and Candace Fortman, but also you, our listeners, uh, Anthony in Southwest Detroit, Phyllis and Warren, Terry in New Baltimore. We will get to you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us. We'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 W. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I got two great guests with us right now talking about Twitter. Nick Austin is the host of Soul Saturday here on WDET. You can hear it Saturday evenings from 8 to 10 p.m. Also with us is Candace Fortman. She is the executive director of Outlier Media. Uh, we're talking about uh, all these changes on Twitter changes that have already taken place, changes that uh, new owner Elon Musk says he wants to affect on the platform. Are they the reason that uh, you might be considering leaving Twitter, as some people have? Uh, are you really thinking about what you get from the platform and whether that value outweighs the association with uh, someone like Elon Musk, who, of course, uh, has done and said many controversial things and things that a lot of folks just are not comfortable with. Uh, we want to hear from you about what you're thinking about Twitter and what you're doing about it. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation that way. A few more social media comments before we get back to the phones. Tobias says, uh, I love Twitter. Have for years as a news and sports feed. I'm on the fence to stay. It depends on Elon Musk and how his purpose, mission, and values determine the climate of his of his company. Uh, Scotty uh, says, I love Twitter. It's how I get my news, follow sports, and stay connected to music and culture. But as your commentator said, Twitter is great at keeping me engaged and keeping me enraged. I've recently taken to unfollowing people I agree with because they upset me too much. Uh, I know the, the, the quitting people on Twitter is a big 
is a really big part of it. And uh, I, what's what tickles me about it is no one unfollows somebody or blocks somebody without telling everyone else that they did it, right? <laughs> I'm never talking to this person again. I blocked this person. It's almost like a, it's a performative kind of uh, uh, quit that uh, that takes place there. I think it's an, an important dynamic uh, of Twitter. Let's go back to the phones. And again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Dion in Livonia, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing here, folks? Good. How you guys doing? Good, how are you? Yep, great. Uh, love your show, by the way, Stephen. Appreciate you. And you too there, Nick. Outstanding job, both of you guys. Thank you much. Um, um, my, I, you know, I look, I, I check Twitter like maybe once or twice a week, the same way I do with, and Facebook even less, because quite frankly, I have to agree with, Nick in a lot of ways, any other previous caller, because my take on it is that, you know, I get it. It's media. Negativity sells. Negativity brings the ratings in. It's the negative is what everyone responds to. If I can draw you in with something negative, great. I just don't have the time to entertain a lot of negative. We have enough negative in the world. And with myself being retired military and knowing knowing, having seen the bad and the good of what the world has to offer, it's like, okay, you know, a little less, a little <laughs> less anger and a little bit more, let's, let's try to be civil. And when you cannot have civil discourse, because one of the things that turned me off was when, it, when Neil deGrasse Tyson made a statement, and, they, and he was brutally attacked for it. But it was a logical, educated statement because we were people were in their emotions and not thinking, not thinking through the commentary. Yeah. So, so and, I, before we get back to our guest, yeah, I, I'm really curious to hear more about. Really, you check it once a week. That is an incredibly disciplined social media diet. What do you get out of it by doing it you, that way? You, for me, what I look for is specific things. Like, I, you know, as I said, I'm retired from the military. So I, a lot of times when I go on there, if I've got a notification, I'm looking at what the Defense Department has sent, what uh, maybe little brief snippets from the State Department, from the Defense Department, from the Office of the President, from from Department of the Navy or the Marine Corps or the, uh, you know, or the, or, 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 or the Army, you know, just the specific places and specific things I'm going to. Hmm. You know, I just had a conversation recently with a good friend of mine. Uh, they they have this habit of posting things for my birthday and for other things, you know, what, which on Facebook. And I have to remind them, don't do it there because I may not see it for a month or two. Yeah. Wow. You're Been better off than me. You are. You are like <laughs> the. Uh, the model of uh, of moderation, I guess. Here, I can't think of how many parties I miss because I'm not on Twitter or Facebook. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's interesting to me that he's still engaged. Yeah. That he he doesn't see zero value in it, right. but he sees limited value and and uses it that way. That's that's it's very impressive, Dion. I'm glad you called. 
uh, and shared that. Stephen, if I can really yeah, quickly, I just saw, I was listening to a podcast. They discussed a Gallup poll. I'm looking at the article right now from January of this year. It says satisfaction with own life five times higher than with the U.S. In the highlights of this story, it says 85% of respondents are satisfied with their personal life, but only 17% are satisfied with the direction of the country. Hmm. How is that even logically possible? Yeah, right. And I think it goes to what we're talking about here, right? When you think that your own personal life and your personal community, things are going great, but the way the country is, is so much worse when normally we would have an actual interaction with our own communities, what we locally physically touch. And you feel like social media is driving it? I feel that? like, well, I that don't know difference? if it's driving it, but I know it's echoing it or probably helping to um, uh, amplify whatever's causing that disconnect. Hmm. Candace, what do you think of that? Um, so I, I, when I was listening to the caller, one of the things I was thinking about is if you ever sat at a table at a large family Thanksgiving, it yeah. feels a lot like how... Twitter and social media is. Mm-hmm. You have to curate your experience, right? So you've got the uncle that is going to say something wild. <laughs> so you don't want to sit next to him, right? Um, and so, but then you have the aunt that's a little quirky, and maybe you don't want to sit next to her. And you've got the cousin who you're like, oh, we can have great conversations. So I'm going to put myself in between and sit next to the cousin and at least have some balance in between these two folks, right? And so, so much of social media is about how you curate. So when people say to me, oh, well, my entire feed is negative, I would say, well, who are you following? And, you know, in that college example, mm-hmm. you know, his, his you know, following list is the State Department and um, the Pentagon and, and, and other sources. And, and seldom is great news coming out of those places um, where I feel like often I go on my page, it's a real mixed bag. I've been watching, for instance, this one man, he's a single father. I've been literally watching him raise his children since they were babies, and now they're in middle school. So, like, wow. having this sort of, like, real connection to someone. And I feel like a lot of folks are just using Twitter for sort of these um, for news curation and those things. And if you use it just for that, it is absolutely often an incredibly negative place. It's pretty but, dark. Yeah. yeah, it can be really dark. But, like, the thing that Nick is talking about is, like, really connecting to people. I have truly connected to people, mm-hmm. right? Like, had genuine care for when things have gone really great for them and when things have fallen apart for them. And so a lot of that is just in how we curate and also how we show up. The same would be true for how we show up in real life. If you're not showing up for the people who love you in real life, you're going to get really bad reactions out of them when you, you know, when um, when you interact with them. And the same thing I often find is true on social media. Yeah. You are um, the energy behind what you get on social. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Anthony in Southwest Detroit. Anthony, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, well, I use Twitter a lot, especially since the pandemic. You know, it's something to do, but uh, mostly following news and mm-hmm. politics mm-hmm. and obviously Detroit today. But uh, I think the biggest development since Musk took over was the, I don't know, the debasement of the blue check. You know, you just pay $8 and you got a <laughs> blue check mark. And it it's kind of funny to me. <laughs> You know, the blue check is interesting to me because I could never get one before because I work for a number of different uh, organizations and I have lots of different emails. And it it turns out that the email I use on Twitter doesn't match with the news organization that that they think I'm associated with. 
Um, and and so I, I couldn't get a blue check. And I, I, I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, I guess, well, that just doesn't work for me. But but I, And I guess I didn't realize the premium that uh, that some people put on it. But you're right. Allowing people to, to buy it, I think, makes it even less less valuable and interesting to me. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to raise the kind of money he wants, or if it's just going to make everyone say, "Well, look, I don't care about the blue check." Or maybe people come up with some other thing that they put in their in their profiles. Anthony, really appreciate the call. Uh, Steven, can I just yeah, say go real ahead. Quick, We've I got have- about two minutes left, but go ahead, Candace. I laughed really loud when I saw the, his um, reasoning for the blue check and raising money. It felt a lot like those of us who are trying to um, raise money to run newsrooms, yes, thinking that like the subscription model mm-hmm. or the membership model will be the only thing that will sustain us. Um, <laughs> I think that he's in for a very good way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I mean, especially at eight bucks, uh, eight bucks. I guess once is it once a year. Uh, that you would pay this eight dollars. That's not. That's not going to help him out the way uh, he thinks it is in terms of, in terms of money. Uh, let's uh, quickly go to Phyllis and Warren. Phyllis, I've got only about a minute left, but uh, go ahead. Are you there, Phyllis? No, oh, nope. don't have Phyllis. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap it up instead. Uh, uh, Nick Austin. And uh, Candace Fortman, it was really great to have both of you here for the conversation. Before I let you go, I want to give you both a chance to talk about what you will do on Twitter. Are you going to stay or are you going to go? Or are you just kind of waiting to see? Nick, are you leaving? Oh, I already left, right? You did. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. See? I mean, technically, I like use it once a week. And I guess since I do this now, I have to look at it a little bit more. I was going to say, how are, you, how are you producing this show without looking at Twitter? When you guys make me go on there, I'll go to find out information. But, you know, other than that, for work, I'm not looking at it. So that's it. not really leaving. That's disengaging. But you're still there. I mean, I guess it, I think that's a <laughs> distinction without much of a difference. But go ahead, <laughs> Candace. Are you are you headed for the exits? Um, uh, Candace will be there uh, <laughs> until the ship goes down because Candace is nosy. Um, so I'm going to stay and watch and see what happens. But I'm really grateful that at least for our newsrooms, they have places that people can still meet us, you know, newsletters and text message platforms and other things that allow us to communicate with folks. So Candace will be there uh, watching the ship go down, but I'm glad that you all connect to all of these newsrooms in different ways. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Candace Fortman and Nick Austin, uh, thanks to both of you again for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we are going to talk with Wayne County's new health director, a familiar face, Dr. Abdul El Syed, who used to be the city's health department director and ran for governor in 2018. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.